1: Find out more at z.co.nz. Raising capital or taking your business to the world? Investment Fix has everything you need to make it happen. This season, we're exploring the US market, the opportunities it offers, what it takes to grow a business there, and the best way to approach investors. The Investment Fix podcast. Tune in today.
0: Everyone bagged Sandra Gowdy just because she was, like, banned from her own mayoral office for being an anti-vaxxer. But when she was, in par- when she was a fearsome representative down in Parliament for the good people of the Coromandel, mm. she apparently set off the fire alarms and forced an evacuation of the parliamentary wing twice for smoking in her office. That
2: is such mana vibes,
0: eh? <laughs>
3: Kota Tour. This is Gone by Lunchtime. It's August the 23rd, 2023. There are somewhere between 50 and 55 days to go till the election. I don't know how many. You can Google it. Kia ora Annabelle Mather. Kia, ora. Kia ora Ben Thomas. Moderator. Kia ora Sam Robinson, who's making us sound so sweet. In just a few days, we are going to be in Christchurch live on stage for Gone by Lunchtime at Word Christchurch Festival. I'm really, really looking forward to it. You guys are looking forward to it?
2: Christchurch is looking forward to it. The whole of Christchurch. <laughs> Christchurch
3: is on the edge of its seat. Uh we'd love to see you there. Um I think there are still a few tickets available. Apparently it's was selling pretty well, which is nice.
2: Sold to out well, months ago. I don't
3: think it's sold out, but you anyway.
2: know. Pretty
3: sure. In the secondary market, there's probably you know buy or sell outside the piano theatre on Sunday. Hey, um
0: Hold, holding forth on the shores of of, of the Avon. Mm. Not the only thing that we have in common with one William Shakespeare.
3: Oh. Interesting. Nice. This is the kind of <laughs> this is the kind of banter that you can expect on Sunday afternoon in Christchurch.
0: Literary, lots of references to books
3: and rivers and things. <laughs> Now, there was a poll out on uh, Monday, the, what's it called now, the Varian, 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 formerly Kantar, formerly called my Brunton, Poll for one News. Sounds very trust trustworthy. Very, do think, Varian. Do you think there was a report and, you know, someone, a PR company was paid $50,000 to come up with the name Varian?
0: I would hope that Kantar, the previous name, that they polled it.
3: Hmm. Yeah. They polled it. I guess they were. Very on. Yes, like very. very (laughs) is good. We're like very. Verity. It's all. Yeah. Yeah. Trustworthy. Mm. Um, Anyway, often uh, we're chastised, rightly, people generally, pundits generally, for uh, obsessing on polls and, you know, reading too much into one poll or whatever. This one, there's a pattern. There's a pretty clear pattern, and it's this. Came to our poll, or this very unpoll, whatever it's called, in January after the Hipkins came to the leadership, thirty eight percent March, thirty six percent May, thirty five percent July, thirty three percent August, twenty nine percent. I mean, it's pretty compelling, isn't it? It's we've talked a bit. We've talked a bit over re- recent podcasts about whether or not we were getting there was a lag, whether or not it would break at some point, and here it is. Hipkins was interesting. I don't know if you saw him yesterday on Tuesday. He seemed almost galvanised by it. Like, it was that kind of... In a way, I think there's something... Obviously, it's terrible for Labour. But in a way, it's like, well, there it is. You know, there's no more pretending that we can just sort of cling on desperately to this raft. It's clear. It's laid out right in front of you. This is the reality. National Act Government comfortable lead. On those numbers, I think they would get 65 seats out of 120 (laughs) Annabelle, for all that, for all that there was that, there was uh, Hipkins Hipkins did really well on Hosking yesterday, for example. I thought Hosking was going to eat him up, but he did very well. He did really well in the house. There's no mistaking that this sends a message that what they've been doing so far isn't working. Do they need a reset? What do they need to do? Uh,
2: Can you even have a reset at this stage of the... Of the election campaign, I'm not sure. But I think they're in an incredibly difficult position because they've kind of boxed themselves into a corner on the policy front because of their tax policy, basically. You know, any mm. kind of significant improvement to services or, you know, the the um, student loan policy of of twenty two thousand and one was it? Two thousand five. Two thousand and five. You know, there, there's they can't pull any of those sorts of yeah. levers. So I think really this campaign, in terms of Labor's successes, is all going to come down to one person, and that's that's Chris Hipkins, which sounds dire. But I think the advantage that he has is he's going up against someone who's never really been through the crucible mm. of an election campaign before. You know, Luxon is, is very much untested in terms of how he would perform in the leaders' debate and all of those sorts mm. of things. So... I mean, I'm not at reset. I'm not sure what what that would look like at the moment. It seems like their policies are quite reactionary, and that's kind of getting them in more trouble. I think maybe if they just stuck to their own game plan and maybe um, looked at some of the, the the smarter things that we see national um, doing, like what's an example? You know, the cell phone thing. Like, there's some nice little policies that you can pull out when you don't have money but it's just making sure that they make sense and and also you know arguing your point being persuasive instead of putting something up having it criticized then panicking and pulling it back off Mm. the table again.
0: Yeah and I think one of the things that when you read it out like that, because you always look at the trend in polls as opposed to individual polls, and when you lay out those results like that, you see that it isn't sort of the sudden breaking of the dam, Uh, there there actually has been a trend throughout the year. Now, in a way, it's a little unfair on Hipkins that people point out, you know, well, he's lost 9% um, since becoming leader. At the same time, you know there was a bump in the polls. He, he did so. become company. Sure. You know, yeah. he brought. Yep. I think he added about six or seven yeah. percent. So, you know, you know, let's not forget, you know, all that he's done. Um, but I, I think it's a lot more simple uh, than you know looking at sort of this patchwork of events and Kerry Allen and Michael Wood and and GST instead. you, you you know, I think the story is, and you saw this with his, you know, very high personal ratings, you know, he came in and he's still, you know, the very high ratings of people who said they trusted him, the very low number of people who said they didn't trust him, mm-hmm. you know, very good personal metrics. And I think he came in as a credible figure, you know, COVID minister, known to the public, but not with the baggage of Ardern. Mm. He said we're going to focus on the cost of living, which has been the the vastly dominant, you know, issue for the last year and a half. Still is.
3: He went bread and butter hard, bread and and butter
0: policy bonfire of all of that excess nonsense, all that woke stuff that nobody cares about, and you know, and and. People believed him, right, because of, you know, his, his personal characteristics and his reputation. But now we're seven months on. You know, petrol is back up to $3. Um, you know, the excise discount was removed and there's, you know, other geopolitical factors that's going up. Inflation has slowed, but, you know, prices haven't gone backwards. Um, and, and, you know, and, and- – People of people's mortgages have been, you know, coming off those very low fixed rates and fixing mm. at higher rates. I think and,
2: that's a real E.A. Eh?
0: Yeah, and things are getting harder for people. And what they're there and and now, you know, for obvious reasons, people are are less inclined to believe that Chris Hipkins is going to help them with the cost of living because <laughs> the cost of living is not going down. <laughs> now that's that's the danger of being the incumbent. The advantage of being the incumbent is that you can do things like twenty five cents off petrol. The 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 bad thing is that you know you are seen as you know associated with these these terrible external conditions that are making things hard for households. So I think it's a pretty predictable you know kind of slide if you look at those external factors. Um, in terms of a reset, you know I, I actually think there is a possibility of a reset. Um, I, I don't there, there won't be a change of leadership, obviously, even though we're about almost as many days out now. We're about now exactly as, uh,
3: at the where... Jacinda Day. Oh, really? Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, ne- ne- never too late. But, I mean, there's there's no Jacinda Ardern's in the wings uh, for Hipkins. You know, he, he's the leader. But
3: there are people, people <laughs> looking around, <laughs> casting around for anyone available and landing on Kieran McNulty. <laughs> like, <laughs> guts mania, you know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um yeah and I you know the the reset I think is more likely to come in the form of you know right now they've been running this line of there's no money left it's very tight there's yep. no room for big promises um you know look I think if things are getting really dire we'll see a return to you know 2011 Kiwi build whatever you know, Two billion dollars for free dental care. what you just throw the whole kitchen sink at it? You
3: well, know, everything is now exists in a sort of imagined future, right? So, anyway. so they can start making a whole lot of promises for the year twenty thirty. You know, where where everybody will live forever and uh, candy floss will grow on trees.
0: But I, I, yeah, even beyond that, I think they, you know, they, yeah, they're, they're, there's also a risk for national right, which is that. Uh, Right now, National have got it all over Labor in terms of, you know, the disappointment, I think, in terms of GST off fresh and vegetables as a supposed game-changer for cost of living, you know, four bucks or whatever a week uh, that's, you know, just totally wiped off, you know, a number of times over by the increases in petrol since the end of um, June, uh, you know, wiped off by the 12 cent uh, petrol tax increase that Labor announced as the government in their uh, transport policy statement there, uh, last week. Um, you know, wiped off by mortgage rates, that sort of thing. At the same time, you know, there's this expectation that you know, national, of national the tax cut party well you know National's policy as as it sort of stands is not huge tax cuts mm. you know and, yeah. and at the lower end you know they are actually pretty they're pretty marginal for lower earners so there is there is the possibility that the electorate when when attention is redrawn to uh National's tax cut policy when it's formally announced yeah. that they find it a bit underwhelming and, and it becomes a bit of a, right. a, a bump in the road this labor to
3: seems them. to be uh you know betting the House on that policy, the numbers, the costings being difficult to reconcile. These are crazy tax cuts, $8 billion or whatever, and at the same time you've got all these other policies that you can't pay for. It's interesting, I thought Annabelle, this week as well, Chris Hipkins, quite deliberately, both in his interviews and in uh, an email to supporters, cast... Labour as the underdog, Mm. which I think goes to the point you make a bit, Ben, in terms of trying to almost – by a trick, cast incumbency on the other lot, mm. <laughs> you know? So if you can apply the pressure on national, and, 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 and I think it's probably fair to say that, you know, in the campaign that starts changing a bit and there'll be a different kind of pressure, but you can then say, yes, these are serious times, there's choppy waters where uh, the circumstances that the country faces and this untried lot, blah, blah, blah. It just feels a bit Hail Mary at that point, doesn't it?
2: It's a funny one, eh, because by and large... We, New Zealand loves an underdog and we like to think of ourselves as an underdog, but mm. I don't mm. necessarily think that we like to see our political parties or governments as underdogs. So I think it's a somewhat risky strategy.
3: It's also quite when um, – <laughs> if you accept it as Otherwise, true – Otherwise Labour is,
2: would have been doing is, well during ex- all, all the you know the years of the Davids <laughs> and all <of> that <laughs> right. sort of and stuff. and if you
3: accept it as true – that also what you're saying is you go from an historic, unprecedented single-party majority under MMP (laughs) to being underdog in the course of three years. I mean, it's pretty startling.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good point. We do actually like competent politicians, you know, Helen Clark was certainly not an underdog. Mm. You know, she was the person with all the answers. John Key was the easygoing boss who, you know, could really could really give you the score, you know, if you kind of came to him for help. Um, you know, Ardern, the sort of all-knowing, all-loving earth mother kind of figure, you know? I mean,
3: it it, it does mean that the... Camera focuses harder on the national idea of a government and waiting. When you're the underdog, that's the, and there's the government waiting. Everyone, everybody agrees. And one of the issues, Annabelle, that they increasingly will face is what is it going to look like as a coalition? Among national, obviously, needs to avoid a few things. They need to avoid uh, some scandal breaking, which is out of the control. They need to avoid Christopher Luxon falling into another trap of. Uh, malapropism or mistaking his policy. Megan Woods was on ZB this morning saying that you know, everywhere you look, Willis was Willis was around with a clean up kit behind Luxon, which just made me think. Actually, that hasn't happened for a long time. Luxon's getting better. I've seen him recently in person at media stand ups and at a at a meeting in a hall, and he's much he's much more match fit. He but is getting
2: a- better, but then there's also weird ones that he does too. Like, did you hear him on RNZ this morning with Ingrid Hipkiss, mm. who was asking him was gender a factor yeah. in the list ranking, and he kept he saying say a range of factors. Range, a range- of
3: factors, are well, but in a way that's is that you could. You the other way, that's discipline, he just keeps going and bores I, I just don't
2: understand why you wouldn't yeah. say, Yeah, it is, yeah. among a range of other things, it, but yes, it, it is. It's an interesting
0: one, yeah, because you know, Michael, there was there seems to have been a sort of flurry of interest in Michael Woodhouse's interview with the Otago Daily <laughs> yes. Times, yes, where he said, You know, there was a balance, you know, there was a, a contest between diversity and experience on the list, and in my case. Experience lost out.
3: Yes, and he never he never talked about gender Woodhouse, but that was in the headline. <laughs> no. Although, can I just say that Woodhouse said that he he was wrong to have been portrayed as quote a toy throwing misogynist, which <laughs> was a, a yeah. I, I mean, I,
0: I thought he tried to be quite measured in his comments, but it's. Yeah, pro- probably discretion would have been the better part of Vella, and you know the immediate aftermath of the list ranking, given that he is still going to be campaigning as a candidate.
1: it's I mean, it not do. for no the, the crowd to judge you know. the
2: oh, yeah, bloody, right. yeah. where's the where's bloody the... dusty man. Oh my the... God.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Full credit to Woodhouse for not pulling out that Roosevelt quote. That <laughs> <a> Roosevelt
2: quote? <laughs> Toby, do, sorry I interrupted you. Okay. What was your question about
3: Who can say? On, on the Woodhouse thing, just quickly and then I'll come back to the point I was going to ask you about. Um, It did cross my mind that that was pretty badly handled one way or another. Um, There was some suggestion, Audrey Young, you you wrote this week, that actually on the poll this week he would have got on on the lift ranking he was offered. Woodhouse has said he had a 45% chance, but it wasn't. But back in the day... Wayne Eagleson would have been just knocked on knocked on his door <laughs> with a bottle of wine and said, let's have a conversation about the future of New Zealand. Right? Just, that was a bit messy, wasn't it?
2: I look at Michael Woodhouse and I just think, you know, all the years of discrimination that he's suffered through and this final,
1: <laughs> in this huh? final
2: insult. It's just too much. And at some point, <laughs> yeah. you just have to <laughs> make a
1: stand For and be like, no list- more! <laughs> 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 no more, will you Denita's discriminate against my people?
2: <laughs> <laughs> so much respect, it's beautiful.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I thought, I thought he actually summarized, you know, some of the, the factors about the list pretty well. You know, I mean, and you know, if, if he said, you know, it's experience versus diversity, you know, I mean, if, if you're talking about a one-on-one matchup between Agnes Lahine and, uh, you know, or Maureen Pugh mm. and Michael Woodhouse, well, you know, it's pretty easy to say, you know, competence isn't coming into that contest. <laughs> like, this is, this is you're, you're really talking about time served versus, versus uh, you know, intangibles. So, um, you know, look, you know, I, I think Woodhouse said that the reason that he, he sort of ultimately withdrew was because it was clear that he wasn't being lined up for a cabinet spot yep. uh, or as Speaker. You know, look, fair enough, you know, he, he did his time as Minister, I think he had about what you, four or five years Three, or something. It's yeah, yeah. fair enough, you know. He was an okay he's, minister.
3: He's, I, he, is he shadow leader of the house at the moment, I think.
0: Yeah, What's yeah. So he, he, he was a he was a reasonable he was a reasonable minister with the portfolios he had in opposition. He probably would have thought that he was kind of lined up. The other the other issue he brought up was the lack of experience in terms of mm. ministerial experience in the in the national caucus, um, and the, you know there is a bit of a deficit there. You know, uh, Todd McClay, Paul Goldsmith, Louise Upston. Um, there've been ministers before.
3: Jerry Brownley likely to be speaker. Br-
0: Brownley's been a minister, but he's likely to be speaker. Judith Collins obviously has been a very, very, very experienced,
3: very experienced minister, very
0: but experienced. Uh, a lot of talk that she's being lined up foreign for foreign minister, affairs, so yeah. sort of won't be kind of around as much. Not in the country, and you know, n- none of these sort of guys like you know, kind of Bill English or Tony Ryle or Nick Smith who. Um, you know, we're really around to kind of set up the institutions, you know, and then set up the offices the and kind of let everyone kind of know how to deal with the public service, um, mm. that the, the key government had. Um, and, you know, the, the Arden government didn't have anyone along those lines. They, don't, they only had sort of – well, they had David Parker, but he was sort of, you know, off to building his own mind palace. Mm. And, uh, you know, and, and that really handicapped them, you know, throughout mm. um, their time in government. And so, um, you know, th- that is an issue for National. You know, they've got some very experienced staffers who were, you know, people like um, Chris Bishop and Nicola Willis who, you know, worked very closely on that sort of, you know, so-called machinery of government kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, look, it, 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 the, the lack of experience is an issue and, and if they're not very conscious about it, you know, it could be more of an issue.
2: Can I just say, just looking at the national list, that if anybody has the right to feel hard done by it, I feel like it's Dan Bidwa, who's ranked at 60. You know, this is a really smart, Harvard-educated um. Māori man who um has worked really hard in the electorate, obviously got beaten by Shannon Halbert um last time, but you know, a really deeply committed to national and he's at sixty.
3: He's gonna win though. He's gonna
2: win. But Hare Hipangor is at thirty one.
3: Yeah, but I, th- I think uh,
2: she's twenty nine places ahead of him. This is someone well, who has had yeah. so many and, like
3: and that's where you fumbles get this, and bumbles. That's it's where like, you you get this kind of you know the terrible word optics. But it's designed so that they could say in the press release twenty one of forty uh, women.
0: Yeah, and and you know Hariti obviously has no chance of winning Tete Hau uh whereas Bidwa, I think you know th- there is that cluster of of uh, MPs. Simon O'Connor, Joseph Mooney, and...
3: They're listed alphabetically. You can tell it gets to a point where they've become alphabetical.
0: And and essentially the the gauntlet is just there saying... You've got to win. If if you don't win the electorate, we don't want you here, you know. Because the swing required to win the seats would be... Yeah, Northcote is winnable. If you don't win it, you don't get a seat, you know.
1: Raising capital or taking your business to the world?
0: Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 hundred kilometres of cycle paths across Tāmaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today.
3: I wanted to ask you about another Member of the likely cabinet in the post election period, should these polls bear out, Annabelle, which is the Deputy Prime Minister, David Seymour. In terms of the vulnerabilities that the National faces in what remains of this campaign in the 50 whatever days, David Seymour making jokes <laughs> may be one of them. Um, what, is, what are your thoughts on that uh, quote-unquote joke, which was about a fantasy, to quote, about uh, Guy Fawkes heading across to the Ministry of Pacific Peoples and also what risk that poses for National's case for government?
2: Well, I, you know, obviously it was in really poor taste and it was beautiful to see um, Sewer deliver his... his um, Valedictory yesterday. speech yesterday in full Psalm Absolute Samoan, chef's kiss. Absolute chef's kiss. Um, it's a it, it's a terrible joke. It's completely inappropriate. Um, but but more than that, he he would if he could try and make a righteous argument that it's just a joke, except that when Tipati Maori made a joke about him and putting some. Was it some seeds and poisonous seeds in his drink or whatever? You know, he spat the dummy big time. So he know,
3: demanded an apology, if I recall
2: correctly. Yeah, he did. So it's just seem, like mm. it's just inappropriate for someone who wants to who wants to be in a significant position of power after the election. It's it's interesting because Seymour's such a smart guy, but he does really sloppy stuff like this. And it's it's almost like when the mask drops sometimes, and we see that kind of. Um, distasteful humour pop out. Um, what was your other question? Just Sorry. in
3: terms of the level of risk, I guess, in the run and Labour is clearly, again, as far as they're resetting and being the underdog, they're going to start talking more and more about the ACT component. Yeah. And it would be a strong component on this polling, more than a quarter of a caucus, and whether or not it represents um, a, a much harder right government than New Zealand's contemplate when they look at Christopher Luxon and Nicola Willis?
2: Um, Well, I feel like that conversation has been already happening for a long time and it doesn't seem to be swaying voters very much. I think, you know, obviously um, incidents like the, the Guy Fawkes joke might give people pause to think, but, but. You know, if we look at the polling, it doesn't seem to. to you know, the way um, Seymour has been communicating about issues like that doesn't seem to be a problem. I was interested to see Luxon kind of um, dampen down Acts policy about. Um, I can't remember the specific name of it about treaty principles.
0: The, the treaty referendum, the referendum on treaty principles. Yeah,
2: are. dampening that sort of stuff down, and I feel like Luxon, you know, having. Taken a quite a, an anti-Maori approach in terms of ruling out Te Pāti Māori very early and that sort of stuff. He seems to be stepping away a little bit from that and getting back into le- leaning into the national Maori relationship of old. I feel like the National Party they like dealing with groups like the iwi leaders forum. They like working on those sorts of issues like far order and settlements and that kind of economic stuff, whereas Labour focuses more on you know the Maori working class and the poor and that sort of thing. So you know, in Luxon's interview on RNZ today, I think it was, he referenced how having just had a meeting with the iwi Leaders Forum. So I think that's going to be his way of mm. of countering some of the concerns around Seymour.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, don't, I I still don't think there's that air of kind of coalition of chaos around ACT. Yeah. You know, they still are seen as a very stable caucus. You know, when they released their list, the you know, the, the people who left, there were no Woodhouse-style interviews. No. You know, I think, uh, you know, guys like James McDowell, who sort of slipped off the list, just sort of said, oh, it's been a great honour to be an MP. <laughs> Catch you later, you know. Yeah. Um, Where I think it will become – you know, where it could become an issue um, is that ACT right now seem quite reactive about New Zealand First – Mm. Um, you know, uh, David Seymour, for instance, you know, yeah. has had some, you know, said some pretty sort of conciliatory things about, say, trans issues, for instance, in the past that sort of saying, oh, it's a, it's a storm in a teacup. You know, I don't, I'm not being drawn on school curriculum stuff, mm. unless you can give me specific examples. You know, there was a widely circulated clip from um, the platform where he said something like that. You know now, Winston Peters is talking about toilets and bathrooms mm. or whatever, and so suddenly this act podcast is about women-only spaces. And you know, that, th- th- I think they are getting drawn into being a bit more reactionary mm. on these, you know, culture war whatever issues. Um, and that has the risk of drawing Luxon in, and he's been he's been pretty clear. You know, I don't, I'm not talking about bathrooms. I'm not talking about gender. Handled, handled that really well. Yeah, I that's, yeah. you know, oh. that's that's not where the centre is. That's not what this election's about. So. Uh, so you know you know, let's see where it goes. you know, Seymour in terms of the Guy Fawkes joke that sort of seymour's sense of humor mm. it would have I think it would have been fine, you know six or seven years ago you could, ever since the e u uh sorry you know brexit the trump you know. Especially since the pandemic, you know, you do have a lot more nutcases around, and mm-hmm. I think politicians do te- do have to be a bit more responsible. You know, I don't think he meant it as anything a except of, a joke, but, but they got a whole know.
2: lot of death threats at the at the ministry the next day, apparently. Well,
3: well, there, was, I there think was, it might have been the day before that there were some people in, right, but the the it definitely morning, illustrates the, the climate of, of the comments. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. And, and
0: look, that is difficult. You know, I wrote a, col- a column, you know, in which I criticised the ministry's um, profligate spending on a going away party $40,000 mm. and and it is difficult because you you know the you know that's a ministry where the the the, the budget you know and this was something that William CO talked about I saw William CO talked about in his speech you know that you know he was he was talking proudly about you know, the Pacifica strategy um but you know th- that translates in the sort of new public service kind of sphere into kind of tripling the budget of this ministry, tripling the number of staff. And, you know, and then you start looking at what are the outputs apart from these strategy documents. And, you know, and, and you see this sort of across the public sector. And, you know, but, but of course, in making, you know, I think, you know, reasonably well-observed criticisms like that, you certainly don't want to turn it into you know, vilifying individual people who are just hired for jobs, who just turn up to work in good faith to do whatever task they're given, right?
3: Intelligent people should be intelligent enough to make criticisms on points of principle such as that Mm. while being highly alert to language that... That's benefit. right, and I, th- and I think
0: everyone has to be responsible about that kind of thing, and I think, you know, I think Seymour, you know, fa- failed on that standard, unfortunately, there. Um, it is interesting, though, seeing this sort of, you know, now that he's sort of fixed on the public service, you know, I think two weeks ago they released a list of 3,000 jobs they would, you know, issue what they call stop work notices on the f- first day for... I saw the other day, I think they're up to 10,000 now. So, <laughs> like, by... You know, you can just imagine these sort of leaders' debates or it's just sort of like an auctioneer,
3: oh like, gosh. you know. <laughs> um, hey, uh, quickly before we go, uh, we were going to talk about vaping and health and education and all that sort of stuff, but we can pick that up another time. I think we need to get out of here. Mm-hmm. And about quickly before we go, the Te Pate Māori uh, announced its list on Sunday, I think it was, and the headline in that was a 20-year-old we've maybe touched on briefly in this podcast before, Hana Rāwhiti Maipi-Clark, mm-hmm. who that's quite, that's four bits of name. But uh, it's also the last 20-year-old, fun fact, to be in the New Zealand Parliament, also had four bits to their name. It mm-hmm. was James Frederick Stuart Waterley, as everybody knows, in 1853. Wow. That would be quite a big thing, right? Like the first... Twenty-year-old, I think. I think not quite the youngest. I'm not absolutely certain when her birthday is, but but that's that's quite a big deal, all right? Like to have a twenty-year-old potentially in parliament. On current polling, she'd be there.
2: It's a huge deal. Yeah, I mean, she, it would make her one of the youngest parliamentarians in the world. I'd, I'd imagine. So you know, if it comes to pass, I'm sure she'll, she'll be um, the, the subject of a lot of. Um, you know, press interest all around the world, which is which is pretty cool because, you know, if you want to have a Rangatahi Maori um being represented, then Hannah is the perfect person. Um great to see some youth in our parliament. We don't want to end up like what's happening in the in the US where, you know, you've literally got old people freezing up and, you know, you can't make appointments and stuff because the person who's Supposed to be the head of a committee, is on sick leave for six months and all that sort of crazy stuff that's going on over there. I do hope that they put some robust measures in place to keep Hannah safe. You know, mm-hmm. Parliament's a, a, a difficult place for everyone but particularly for Wahine Māori and probably even more so for um, young Wahine Māori, but um, I'm excited to see what contributions she could make.
3: She would need some support of some experience as well, and perhaps if she's looking for an executive assistant, Michael Woodhouse would be one Oh, that's but, such yeah.
2: a great idea.
3: I, I feel like, yeah, look, I feel like Parliament would be the,
0: the most horrible place for a 20-year-old to be, but... You know, everyone should follow their bliss um, <laughs> I mean But you know, look, look, looking forward to you know, you know, some kind of Clickbait, you know, headline like You know, want to feel old? You know, Chloe Swarbrick was just okay boomer In the house
3: <laughs> 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 That's right <laughs> Perfect, on that note Thank you all for bearing with us Thanks Annabelle, thanks Ben, thanks Sam Thank you members especially, love you very much And uh, hope to see some of you in Christchurch